Hey sisters, Christy here from Book Club Sisterhood. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. This is where we share our weekly book discussions with you so you can listen while multitasking or enjoying your favorite drink and reading along with us. I hope you enjoy this discussion. Let's grow. Hey sisters, this is Christy, co-founding sister at Book Club Sisterhood. Welcome to our first night of Unshakable Hope chat. Max, is it Lakato? I always say it wrong. <laughs> Max Lakato. Um, we've read a book by him before. He's an excellent author. This is actually his 40th book. I don't know if you guys read the little acknowledgement thing. I read a little bit of it. And this is his 40th book. And he was talking about how there's... Um, something special about the number 40 in the bible and um moses spent 40 years in the desert the hebrews wandered 40 years in the wilderness jesus endured 40 days of temptation and he says there's something significant about the number 40 so this is his 40th book so that seems pretty cool it's really good so far i'm really enjoying it um so we're going to discuss chapters one through four tonight and chapter one is called God's Great and Precious Promises. So this chapter opens with Paul in prison, and he's on trial before King Agrippa. And this is from Acts 26. Um, he says on page three, Paul's defense included no reference to his accomplishments. I think that's pretty cool. He was solely reliant on God and not anything that he had done. That's definitely something that I'm trying to strive for because I don't want to rely on me or anything of this world you know I just want to rely wholly on God um that's such an awesome example and then also knowing where Paul came from like he used to persecute Christians and now I mean the role he played is just amazing so to see that transformation is really cool he references Acts 26 6 um and here and it says now I am on trial this is Paul speaking now I am on trial because of my hope in the fulfillment of God's promise made to our ancestors. So that was his defense. That was it. He had hope in God's promises, not himself, which I think is really awesome. So we see many other people in the Bible that, you know, they served God because he made promises to them and they trusted him. Um, I recently recorded a Bible study on Hebrews 11. It's called People of Faith. If you guys um, listen to the podcast or watch the videos on YouTube, um, I can link them in the description of wherever you're watching this or listening um, if you want to go back and look at that. But basically, Hebrews 11 is considered like the hall of faith. Um, but I know some people kind of cling to that, like, oh, all these perfect people had this perfect faith and did all these perfect things. They're perfect. I can't ever be that. Well, go read their whole story. <laughs> I, I think of Hebrews 11 as like a highlight reel, okay? This is like their Instagram feed. These are all the beautiful pictures they want you to see, but they don't see you all their dirty laundry. That's, if you go back to where their story actually is in the Bible, like the whole story, you get to see all the places they failed and they were human and they messed up. And that's where the real story is. So that's a little bit what I talked about in that Bible study. If you want to go listen or watch it. Um, so he references Hebrews 11 here. And I just wanted to touch on, on that because I felt, I feel like it's important because people, you know, do get wrapped up in, oh, this hall of faith, you're all perfect. Totally not. <laughs> um, on page four, that's where he's talking about Hebrews 11. 
And then on page six at the bottom, I really like his definition of faith. It says, faith is the deeply held belief that God will keep his promises. That's, that's a great like opening thing for this book, right? Because we think about faith and those people in Hebrews 11 serving God and why they serve God. It's because they had faith. They knew that he was going to keep his promises. Um, he asked a really good question on page eight. And it says, the question is not, will God keep his promises, but will we build our lives upon them? So that's where we have free will. And that means every day we get to choose to follow him. He doesn't make us do it, which is, I think, the best part. It's, I always say, you know, God is the only master we choose to serve. Because, you know, in your, if you're in captivity and have a master and you're serving them, you don't get to choose what you do for them. But in this situation, you do. And that's exciting because I'm choosing. So then I want it even more. I want to serve him with my whole heart because I'm choosing this life. And I think that makes it so much sweeter. On pages 11 and 12. He references Matthew chapter seven, verse 24 and 27, which talks about two men both who both built a similar house, one on the sand and the other on the rock. You know, obviously we're like, duh, don't build a house on sand, that's stupid. The waves are gonna come wash it away. It's not a sturdy place to build. But then he starts talking about, you know, comparing that to, you know, not following the world and how, you know, being built on the rock means that you're built on Jesus. And that means you're on this solid rock, but it's not always the easy thing to do. Right. So it, it's not, it's not easy to compare those because let me obviously don't build your house on sand, but following the easy path of life, right. Just going with the flow of culture is a lot easier and much more accessible, which is the point that he was making. Um, the house on the sand was easily accessible and cheap. Well, okay, but that's not what's gonna hold you up. That's not the best foundation. So I like that, I like that parable because it seems so obvious not to build on sand, but sometimes it's just easier to choose the sand, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not gonna be what keeps you going long-term. On page 12, he says, what separates the wise from the foolish? Both men hear God's words, but only the wise man builds his house upon the sand. Mm -hmm. We get to choose to build our lives on his word every single day. We get that choice. We wake up every single morning because his mercies are new every morning. We get to start over and say, I'm choosing to live for God. And that's It's just so awesome we get to do that. In the middle of page 13, it says, um, they are direction signs intended to guide us away from the toxic swampland and into the clean air of heaven. So these are his promises. That's what he's talking about. The promises of God are direction signs intended to guide us away from the toxic swampland and into the clean air of heaven. I just think that sounds amazing. It we need that direction, right? Like give us direction, Lord. We need it. We crave it. You know, it's just like kids. They need direction. They need rules. They need boundaries. They, they thrive in that environment. 
And that's why we see so many kids acting out, I think, because they don't have that guidance. And it's so hard for their little brains to comprehend that they can do whatever they want, you know? That's, it's so important. We need that too. We need direction. All right, chapter two is called Stamped with God's Image. So Genesis 1.26 says, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry around the ground. On page 17, he says, you were created by God in God's image for God's glory. So we aren't like the birds and fish. We're actually made to reign over them. We are made to be reflections of God. He put parts of himself in us when he created us. He wanted us to be a reflection of him. On page 19, toward the bottom, he says, according to the Bible, you are good simply because God made you in his image. And I skip down a line that says, and you will only be satisfied when you engage in your role as an image bearer of God. So it's, it's amazing. I feel like I've said the word amazing a lot tonight. Sorry. I'll have to find some uh, other words to use, but it's amazing how much the world tells us, you know, we can only be satisfied by stuff and you need this lotion or that face cream, and then you'll be beautiful and everything will be great. But the Bible says all we need is Jesus. We know he already promised to be with us. We just need to look to him to try to be complete. And that's the only place we're going to find it. You know, the world wants to feed us all this stuff that we need. We don't need any of that. On page 20 in the middle, he says, why does God love you with an everlasting love? It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with whose you are. So I haven't figured out which song it is yet. I forgot to look it up. Mom and I were talking about this, but there's a worship song that just kind of like as they're ad-libbing at the end, one of them says, I know who I am because I know whose I am. And I thought of that when I read this sentence, I was like, oh, that's so good. Um, I know who I belong to. Therefore, I know who I am. Uh, I've just, I've always loved that line of that song. There's also a song called Fresh Fire. I want to say it's Elevation. Oh, right. Fresh, fresh fire. Um, At the end, it says um, a man on fire doesn't care what he looks like, doesn't care what he sounds like. I just I don't know those little ad lib parts at the end. Just they sound really cool. And sometimes they're just kind of off the cuff. And that's sometimes the best part of the song. On the um, toward the bottom of, of page 20, he says his love for you does not depend on you. So going to another worship song, (laughs) the song Gyra says, one of the lyrics at the beginning says, wasn't holding you up. So there's nothing I can do to let you down. I think that's like, that just really grabbed me too. That's one of those verses. You're just like, whoa, that's true. Like, I'm not holding you up. Why do I feel like I'm going to let you down? His love for me has nothing to do with what I do or don't do. It's there regardless He promises to be with us always, no matter what you do, no matter how many times you screw up, he's still there for you. Um, So on page 21, he says, in the eyes of God, you are worth dying for. 
I was thinking about this the other day and it had nothing to do with this book, but it just occurred to me and it fit perfectly right here. I've been thinking about John 3 16 and you know, it says for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. What if we replace the world with our name? That makes it super personal. So say that right now. Say for God so loved Christy and put your name in that spot. He loved you so much that he gave his only son. I almost started crying when I was, when I was taking my notes today, cause it just like hit me. I'm like, wow, it's a little overwhelming, right? Cause I don't feel worthy of that. I'm just me. Like what? I, I'm not special enough for that, but that's what he did. He loved me so much. Each and every one of us so much that he's willing to offer all of him to us. We have access to everything that he has. And we're going to talk about being an heir of God in chapter four, but I just thought that was really beautiful to think about that. Like for God so loved me that he gave his son. I'm going to start crying now. So we're going to move on. <laughs> so on page 21, just below that, it says every person you see was created by God to bear his image and deserves to be treated with dignity and respect. So not only do we need to look at ourselves as worthy, but we also need to look at other people as worthy. Every person that includes our enemies, you know, why don't we insert their name into John 3:16? Because that's also true. And that's hard to process sometimes when someone hurts you or upsets you. It, it's it's hard to put them in that loving position, but God loves them too. No matter what they do, no matter how they hurt someone, no matter what they're going through. God still loves them too. So I feel like when you do that, like for God so loved, and I, I can't, I'm not going to say, <laughs> but you know, put a name in there. Doesn't that make it a little easier to give them some grace, knowing that God loved them so much that he gave his son for them too. It just makes it a little easier in my mind to forgive all right chapter three is called the devil's days are numbered i like this chapter because <laughs> i like talking about the devil only because i know what his outcome is going to be <laughs> on page 26 he says the greek word for devil <laughs> is <laughs> taking a tissue break um <laughs> the greek word for devil is diablos which is a root it shares a root with the verb i'm not going to say this right diaboline anyway it means to split which is so true because you know he goes on to talk about the devil separates adam and eve from god and he wants to separate us too so he's trying to mm -hmm. split us up and you know weasel his way in between us and god and then he references john 10 10 on page 29 which i love this verse and it says the thief comes to steal kill and destroy that's his only reason to be here is to split everything apart cause chaos um and just ruin everything really that's his that's his mission that's his goal but like i said we know 
how this turns out, right? We have revelation to look at. We, we know what his story looks like. But Satan is mentioned all throughout the Bible. On page 29, he mentions several different places in, or several different authors that wrote about the devil. So, you know, Jesus even, act, in, even interacted with him. It's hard to believe he talks about a survey in here where there's like something like 50 or 60% of Christians don't believe that the devil is real. And I find that shocking because I've had personal interactions with him. He's tried to get all, get all up in my face and separate me from God. I know he's very real and I know how to fight against him too. So, um, he talks about a really nice comparison on page 30. I thought this was kind of cool. The mama cat tires out a mouse and then gives it to her kittens to actually kill. So she's teaching them how to kill the rat and the rat or the mouse tries to kind of stand on his hind legs and make himself look bigger, but he's completely out of energy. So he's not going to win this battle, but he tries to fight. He like hisses and makes loud noises and gets up on his back legs and tries to you know, fend them off or scare them off. But what's the ultimate outcome? It's the same. The mouse is the devil. He's going to be taken out. He knows it. It says it in the Bible. Um, so I, I really like that comparison. On page 31 at the very top, he says, Jesus has already defeated the rat of heaven as well. Be alert to the devil but don't be intimidated by him. So he's allowed to hiss and make a fuss and mess up things in our lives, but we know that God's already won the battle. Endgame, God wins. So he tells the story of how he tries not to hear the, the score of the football game because it's going on while he's preaching, so he doesn't want to hear who wins. So there was this really big Cowboys game, which apparently he's a Cowboys fan. Sorry, Nella. <laughs> She's in DC. So DC and uh, I don't know what you're allowed yeah. to call them now, but the, the DC team um, and Cowboys are big. They still didn't decide the name. <laughs> I don't, yeah. The DC team is what I'm going to call they're them. Losing. They're losing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, the Cowboys won, but he didn't know that, but so someone yelled it at him right in the church parking lot as he's leaving. They're like, oh, hey, congratulations to the Cowboys. He's like, well, well, that ruined it. But then he actually got to sit down and watch the game. And knowing how it ended, he wasn't as stressed during the game. Because, you know, when they fumbled or lost, yeah. lost the ball or whatever. Um, I actually do know some stuff about football. I'm just not, <laughs> not trying to be eloquent right now, I guess. Um, anyway, you know, not he knew the outcome so that kind of eased his you know he was able to enjoy it more because he already knew um yeah. so he compares that to you know we already know the ending the devil loses god wins so it does make life a little easier to live when you know that it's all going to be okay eventually all right so then um he talks about on page 32 he talks about how to how to fend off the devil it says when we worship we do what satan himself did not do he placed sorry we place god on the throne so that's what got him kicked out of heaven was he wanted to be worshiped instead of worshiping god he tried to put himself above god 
Um, and that's what caused him to fall. So I know when I worship, I'm just full of the spirit and it's amazing. And I want to give that glory to him. And that's, that's the purpose of worship. And that's a really good way to knock Satan out of your way. <laughs> just glorify God. Cause he wants nothing to do with that. He is not interested in that at all. Hey, Christy. <laughs> yep. Yeah, the thing I see is granted the devil loses in the end, mm-hmm. but he's going to cause a lot of chaos in the meantime by that. Yeah. And um, our, our churches, a lot of churches are still struggling. Um, yeah. You know, I, I really would like to see churches a lot more full. Uh, we had a funeral on Monday. Mm-hmm. Our church was packed. It would be great to see that kind yes, of. Yes, it was. I saw it. Yes, I recorded it. But yeah, and it was, it was packed. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of those, I mean, obviously some people are from out of town, but a lot of them are members of the church. Mm-hmm. But, you know, people just stay away for one reason or another. And the longer you stay away, the harder it is to come back. Yep. And, you know, that's the devil winning that separation. Mm-hmm. So I, I wonder if that has something to do with the percentage of Christians that don't believe the devil exists, because he says at the beginning of this chapter, you know, that gives him free reign over all those people. Cause he's like, Oh, you don't believe I exist. I'm just going to wreak havoc and I'm not even going to get blamed for it. This is awesome. So, I mean, maybe if they believed that the devil existed, they might be running to church a little more often. I don't know. I wonder if there's a correlation there. I don't know. It'd be good to know, but yeah, yeah. we definitely need to be battling against uh, the devil and yeah. evil and all it brings. So uh, there's a lot mm-hmm. going on in the world that is just not right right now. Yep. For sure. Um, on page 33, <clears throat> he says between now and the final whistle, you will have reason to be anxious. And if we drop down a few lines, but you do not need to worry you and I know the final score. So that's kind of what we were talking about. You know, it's, it's comforting to know that we're on the winning team, right? Our team is going to come out on top. All right. Chapter four, an heir of God. On page 38, he says, you have legal right to the family business and fortune of heaven. And the fortune is overflowing. It is, God has everything you need. You need wisdom just ask he says that in here you know if you need wisdom just ask if you need peace then ask for it and god gives it freely um i think we get in our own way a lot (laughs) of receiving those gifts um but they are readily available to all of us on page 40 in the middle it says understand your place in the family you come to god not as a stranger but an heir to the promise we're children of God. We're not, what's the other word he uses? I can't remember. Interloper. You're not an interloper, but a child of God. When you have the spirit of God in you, we can have the peace and we can have his love and we can have his wisdom. We just have to ask for it and we just have to accept it. And I think that's half our problem is the accepting it part, because I know I've laid things down for him to take care of. And then I'm like, okay, you're not working fast enough. Let me pick that back up. Try to figure it out for myself. 
has that ever worked for me? I don't, at some point in my life, I will figure out like, this has never worked for you. Please stop. <laughs> I'm hoping, hopefully I'll figure that out. I don't know. Day by day. Um, he then talks about Joshua, the story of Joshua, and he was able to lead the Israelites into the promised land, but it wasn't all just handed to him. You know, they had to fight for it. Um, but he trusted God through everything. And he knew he would win because God said, this land is yours. I'm giving it to you. So he knew the final outcome. So he was able to look to that and not get in all the, you know, he was able to see the forest for the trees. You know, when you're in it, it's really, really hard to see the end unless you focus on God and know that he's got the end all taken care of. Um, we've been going through some stuff again with our cars. <laughs> it's like an endless saga. It's just, I don't even, I, I have no idea what the end game is, but I know God does. For some reason, we are supposed to be in the position that we are. He, he pulled us through last week in a big way. And I'm so very thankful for that. And we now have at least one car that's working really well. We picked it up yesterday. So praise God. Um, we had to get some work done on it, but now it's working really well. Um, so just praying that that continues and nothing else goes wrong with it because we've just had some struggles lately. So I'm really, really thankful. And I know that whatever else has to happen, God's going to pull us through. And I know that he's got the end of this already worked out. So I'm really trying hard not to worry, but it, it does get hard when you're in the weeds, like you're deep in it and you're like, I have no idea how anyone's getting anywhere tomorrow. But I just kept telling myself, like, I have to trust God. I have to know that he, every single day through last week was really tough, but I knew that God was going to provide for us in some way or another. Like last week we were down to just mom's car for all three of us. <laughs> we had three drivers in the house in one car and we we're like, uh, okay, God, if that's not, yeah, like Saturday, we all three had to be in different places at the same time. We we're like, um, <laughs> uh, we're not real sure, but okay, God, you know, he, but he kept providing for us every single day. There was a solution. So I just kept hanging on to that. And I was like, here we go one day at a time. It's all I got. I can't think about five days from now because that's scary because there's literally one car on Monday and I've got three of us going separate places on Saturday. I can't even fathom to think about that. <laughs> like I, I can't. So I didn't, I took, I was like, okay, what's our plan for Tuesday? <laughs> like, that's all I can see right now. And that's how we got through because I was trusting God to just provide every single day. And that relieved so much stress <laughs> from me. Not that I didn't stress because it's still hard to go like live a day at a time. But anyway, did you pick up the one with the transmission? Yeah. Yep. There we did that. Yep. And, and the other one, what's wrong with the other one? I don't know. Oh. We'll see. <laughs> we mm. currently have two really good cars in the house and three drivers, but we're working on it. We're, we're working on it. We're all right. Um, yeah. So just back to Joshua, you know, he, he trusted God in everything. And that's what I'm trying to do. I know that there's going to be hard times. I know the devil is going to come at us and I'm just going to take it day by day. If I have to, if that's, if that's what we need to do, sometimes you just gotta one step at a time. My friend texts me and I asked her how she was doing. She goes, you know, one day at a time. I said, yep, I hear you sister. <laughs> Life is pretty much just one day at a time on page 43. He says in the middle there, 
he will provide what you need to face the challenges of life. So that's what he did for us. He literally provided every single day. Um, on page 43 through 45, he tells the story of a Dutch girl and her boyfriend. So their names are, I'm going to say Diet and Hein. I've never heard this story before, so I'm not sure if I'm saying their names right. But they helped Jews hide during World War II. They eventually got arrested and tried for their crimes against the Nazis. But they kept their faith in the promises of God. She even wrote on the wall. Um, what's the... She wrote a verse on the wall. I didn't mark it. Um, basically, God just said, "Lo, I will be with you always," is the quote. Um, and she carved that in the wall of the prison so that she could look to that and say, "I know you're here, even till the end. I know that you're here with me." And she clung to that because that was hard. You know, they didn't have a lot of food. They weren't allowed to bathe. They didn't have toilet paper. They didn't have towels. They didn't have anything because they were just prisoners. And our prisoners today in America have a lot more than they used to have in prisons. So they basically, they, they didn't even really have enough to live on. They were barely making it, but she just clung to the promises, promises of God. And I hope that anytime that I get down in the weeds, I can, I can cling to God. I can cling to him with all my might because I know he's in control and it's not me by a long shot, getting me through whatever struggles I'm going through. I know it's him because I don't have the kind of power that he does. So next week, we're going to do chapters five through eight and we'll discuss that next Tuesday. Mm -hmm. All right. Next Kate is always a nice read. So yeah, yeah, it's really easy to, it's a good flow. And when I can't remember his name, I just rem go, okay, it rhymes with mashed potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to forever be like mashed potato, mashed potato. <laughs> yeah, my husband that's actually thought though. that's what I said one time was mash, that mashed potatoes was going to be at a conference I was at. I said, no, I said Max Lucado. <laughs> <laughs> that's good though. That's really good. Now I'll remember. Thank yes. you. <laughs> Yes. And I actually told when I met Max Lucado, I actually told him that my husband yeah. thought I said mashed potatoes. So he, <laughs> what say? Laughed. he just laughed. He, he did sign. I should have had him sign the book from mashed potatoes. <laughs> but yeah. And then in parentheses, Max Lucado. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Erica, how is your mom? What's that? Erica, how is your mom? Uh, she's really, she's not doing well at all. Oh. She's, un she's under a lot of stress everybody is living in the, her house again and wow. my uh my stepdad his health is not doing well and it's made worse by everyone being there and it's just yeah. she's under yeah. a lot of stress yeah mm. we play for her. thank you we're gonna play for her. yeah i missed you so much <laughs> you guys too oh my goodness every time i thought oh i could get back on no <laughs> beginning of the school year oh it was nuts and then other stuff and yeah and actually i won't be able to come i don't think i can be able to come next week because i have an event i have to do but then i'm okay for real okay <laughs> i rebuke the devil trying to keep you from us <laughs> hey, I was it. you know what i just thought about that i was like he got me oh, <laughs> oh god i was not even man <laughs> he's sneaky 
He is. Well, now Montigan. So <laughs> a little game. Anybody else have yeah. prayer requests? Uh, yeah. Wes has COVID. Okay. Oh my goodness. And then I need to say we need to say a prayer for Melvin's cousin Steve. He's has liver problems and they're trying a different Medicine. go around with his liver and he uh if this doesn't work out then he's gonna be on a donor's list. Anybody else? Pray for mom to feel better. Yeah, please. <laughs> and pray for a car to magically fall from the sky for us. I'm just kidding. Yeah, well <laughs> I was saying we play for the UCAL. We're gonna play for the um, Hawaii because they just had uh, a flood that mm -hmm. is uh, coming from the mountain and going all in people's houses. The mm -hmm. sand, the mud, everything. Wow. It just it's really really landslide they say or whatever. Yeah. Yes. We play. Mm -hmm. That's all. Anybody else? Okay. dear lord thank you so much again for you know we're so thankful that we get to meet together and come together and speak about you and just get to know each other and get to know you better god we thank you so much for these books that we get to read and the time that we get to fellowship together lord thank you for the freedom in our country for us to be able to do this Lord, we just ask that you can just wash peace over Sue, help her just minimize the stress and be able to do the things that she needs to do and not be worn out and weary. Lord, I also pray for Wes who has COVID. God, just heal his lungs, help his body to fight off this virus. Lord, please help Steve as well as he's dealing with liver problems. God, help this treatment to work for him. Lord, we pray that mom starts feeling better. <clears throat> her her body to fight off whatever sickness is going on in her god lord we also want to pray for hawaii lord just help them to get out of harm's way and for the flooding to stop god we just ask for your protection around them right now lord we just come to you again with thankful hearts because you've done so much for us and blessed us so immensely god we're just so thankful that we get to be your children and be heirs to the the fortune that you have for us god thank you so much for sending your son for each one of us so that we can spend eternity in heaven with you it's all in your name we pray amen amen oh sorry we rebuke the devil that's keeping aaron uh <laughs> eric away yes. from us yes <laughs> you've got devil and yes all right guys well thank you we'll see you next week we're gonna do chapters five through eight so okay have a good uh, one okay thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the bcs podcast if you would like to chat with us please join our community on facebook book club sisterhood and you can find us on instagram as book club sisterhood as well we can't wait to hang out with you again next week let's grow